Amen. We're going to continue in our series called False Gods. And I don't know if you've been paying attention in the news, but there's been this huge story out of Pennsylvania, this investigation, where after years of looking into it, the, the prosecutor of the state brought to an end an investigation that showed that there were over 300 predatorial priests in Pennsylvania and thousands of victims who were molested just in that state. It is obviously devastating. It's disgusting. It's, it's like if we go into a mode where we're like, yeah, but it happens everywhere, all that stuff, that, we're off on the wrong foot right away. And I will say that abuse happens in all kinds of situations, all kinds of situations. At your cousin's house, in a church, camping, happens everywhere, happens in all types of situations. But what was disturbing about this investigation was the systemic and decades long hiding it and moving priests from one place to another after allegations and covering it. And when we look at that, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it about religion? And we know it's not just one religion, but what is it about religion that sort of allows people to do crazy stuff? to lose their souls. Can you be religious and not lose your soul? We've been asking this whole time, what are these good gifts that God gives us? How do we take these good gifts, bow down to them, and make them terrible gods in our lives? And we talked about how we do that with family. That's probably the hardest one. We all do that with family. We all hang all of our hope for purpose and happiness in our family. And a lot of us end it right there. And that's where they stop. We also do it with sex. And we talked about that. We do it with ourselves. We put ourselves above everything else. And we also do it with religion. We do it with religion. And, and like I said, the, these, these stories of abuse, they're not just in one particular church. Actually, many of you met Pastor Doug Logan, and he, he, he prayed at our launch service, and he preached before that. Um, you would never forget him. <laughs> he came through, and a charismatic guy. And he came to this little Bible study that I was going to, back in 2005. Me and my wife were going to this Bible study in Fishtown, a neighborhood not a whole lot different than Gloucester City. We were meeting in a home and Pastor Doug comes in and he tells us about this, this church that he is a part of. And you know what he does? He gives the worst sales pitch ever to come be a part of this church. He says, look, listen, we had a thriving youth ministry. 
one of the dynamic teenagers, 18-year-old kid, who brought sort of all the kids from the neighborhood there on a Sunday morning when the service was going on, molested a a five-year-old girl. And um, my wife, my wife testified against him in court and the neighborhood was split and it was about third black third Irish and third Spanish and the kid was Spanish and the pastor was black and the kid the girl who got raped was white so it split the church it blew up like the Death Star you know what I'm saying like it just was like everything that was holding it together and all the youth were gone. And he says, listen, I need someone to come help rebuild a youth from nothing. Um, number one reason it was a bad sell. <laughs> Don't ask people to come and build something from nothing. <laughs> with you, right? Number two, bad sell. He says, also, because that family is here and because my wife testified against this kid, he's on house arrest. He's there across the street from the church. His entire family surrounds the church. I used to go knocking on doors and inviting people to church and praying for folks and being a pastor. And now I don't feel safe walking around by myself. So I need somebody come with me. Number two, when you're asking for a volunteer, don't imply that they might be risking their lives (laughs) to come serve at your church. Well, we get home, me and my wife get home and we look at each other and it's amazing because what Pastor Doug didn't know is that we had been in that neighborhood for about a year and we were praying for an opportunity. We were part of a church that had a bunch of people and God bless them. They were very like, you know, like people who had graduate degrees and they were, they went to school from like different states and they came and they were downtown and they lived downtown and we were way out in the neighborhood and I'm from the neighborhood and we're like, we want to be in a church that's reaching the neighborhood, not You know, we want to find a church where we can serve right in the neighborhood. And then God just brings this crazy dude into our Bible study. (laughs) And we look at each other and we don't even have a discussion about it. It's like one of those moments where we look at each other and we're like, oh, crap. You know, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. Like, we don't even have to talk about it. Like, the spirit is spoken. You know what I mean? We knew, like, it, it, it just, it's just... God just drug us in and God did some amazing things there but but what can this kid me this kid who was lost and broken from this broken Irish Catholic home with a bunch of different stepdads who the church came alongside and loved up and built up what can this kid who went on and was literally the stereotype I went on and became a missionary for four years in Africa Right? Like the stereotype. And I come and I plant a church. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about the idol of religion. Haven't I given myself up for religion? What I want, what I want to do tonight is share with you Jesus' teaching to the religious leaders. And Jesus' teaching and warning 
against the excesses and abuses of religion. And while my wounds and my cuts are all from the world, I've met a bunch of people, I've met plenty of people who have been wounded and who have been cut by the church. And you tell me you've been hurt by the church, it's not something that I've experienced, but it's something I believe when you tell me that. So I want to read for us in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 11. And the word should also be back on the screen. Got me? All right. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and they put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. Can you guys say seen by others? They enlarge their phylacteries. Everybody say phylacteries. That's, that's the word you're going you're gonna to learn about phylacteries tonight. All right? <laughs> and they lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by the people. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher. You are all brothers and sisters. Do not call one another on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either. Now he's talking to his disciples, okay? And he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, because you have one instructor, the Messiah, the anointed one. He's talking about himself. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. There are few things that you need to know to grow spiritually. If you can get verse 12 in your life, if you can get this verse in your life and actually live it and know it and understand what it is and it be a reality for you, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted, be lifted up. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut down, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. It's the word of the Lord. I mean, that is, that's heavy stuff. 
That's heavy stuff. And, you know, if Jesus were always talking like a guy about to wrestle, anybody watch WWE, you know, or WWF? I know you all too holy for that. But, you know, if Jesus were always talking like, he, like he's about to, like always trash talking everybody and always hype and always angry, you know, you, you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference of when he's serious and when he's not. But Jesus is the one that when they brought the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and by the way, only the woman, and if she was caught in the act of adultery, there was a man there too. But back in the day, it wasn't too easy for women. And they bring the women, they bring the woman to him, and, and they say, listen, She's a adulterer. We should stone her. We should stone her to death. What does Jesus say? He says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. This is the man who stood on the mountain. And this is the man who had the masses around him. And he said, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. This is not a, you know, this is not macho man. This is not <laughs> Mr. T. This is not Hulk Hogan, right? This is not a guy that's always talking about like lightning coming from heaven and God this and God this. This is a man who kids could touch, who kids could climb into his lap and his disciples were annoyed and he, and he basically told them, get over yourselves. Actually, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. That the only way in is through a childlike faith. Don't stop him from coming. I'm going to bless him. But he does get Hulk Hogan here. He gets fired up here. This is when Jesus starts getting harsh. This is the harshest chapter in the New Testament. And we read the first woe. There's an eightfold woe. Like, woe to you. You guys are snakes. You guys are liars. You guys are dragging people to the pit of hell. Those are all things that Jesus said of the religious leaders. And what we need to know is, why was Jesus so worked up about the religious leaders? What was he warning them against? What was he warning his own apostles against? He didn't want his own followers to reinstate the same thing that was going on all around them. He wanted to carve out a new path. He wanted his own way. And we are supposed to follow his way. So we see here, and. and Everybody's favorite word, the $50 word, phylacteries, right? What is going on? I encourage you to go on Google and Google image phylacteries one day. It will be safe. <laughs> Google's always in question. But it will be safe. And what you'll see is that phylacteries are like these little leather boxes. And Inside these little leather boxes, you would have scrolls on them that had scripture written in them. And you would put one of them on your forehead. Because the, the thing is, is that in, in, the, in the scriptures and the Hebrew way of looking at life, 
You, you wanted to have the scriptures on your mind. You wanted the scriptures to be occupying your thoughts. You know? And then you had this other phylactery, and it would be under your arm. Simon, can you? Did Simon leave? Okay. It's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> you can bring it down. I'm loud enough, as long as it's recording. So the idea there is you would always have the word of God close to your heart. So it'd be under your arm, it'd be facing your heart, and then there'd be this leather band and you would wrap it all around your arm and then all around your hands and your fingers. And the idea was, is that God's word would be on your mind, would be deep embedded in your heart, it would flow out through your arm to your hands, which represented your will. So God's word would saturate your heart. It would saturate your mind. It would saturate your will. But of course, as human beings do, what is Jesus saying? It became a thing to get a bigger and bigger leather box. You need everybody to see this thing. It's like a massive headlight. You can't even see the guy's eyebrows. And you get the big and big one under your arm, right? And it's like a show. And instead of it being about what the symbols represented, which was all about the fact that God's word should be actually in our hearts and in our minds and lived out and done, it became a, just something to show off. And then as we, I had you read, right, what was Jesus' beef? Jesus' beef was you do all of this stuff so that people can see you doing it. This is why you do it. You know, and then he, he further describes their, their, how they like to be, you know, in the special seat, at the banquet, at the synagogue, in the marketplace. Like they stood out. They'd have special titles and all of that. I want to ask you, what are some of the church laws? What were the phylacteries that you all grew up with? You can talk. By the way, when I ask about this, the phylactery and the tassels, and tassels just remind them of God's covenant and his goodness. All of those things were in the Bible. They were good traditions, but in their, their motivations were wrong. You know, so when I'm asking you what were some of the things, it doesn't even have to be things you think are negative, but what were the non-negotiable, like this is the outward stuff we do at church growing up?
I'd just be scared out of my mind, you know. work <laughs> yeah I heard I heard bowling too <laughs> yep oh okay yeah, that had to stay where it was. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I do pour oil on people sometimes. You, you, can, you can wipe it if it's inconvenient. We won't beat you up. <laughs> yeah, we, we all have our different phylacteries, you know. You light these candles, you, you, you say these things, you, you, you light these yep, bells and smells and kneeling and standing and singing. I, I want to challenge too that sometimes our phylacteries, are our, our, our traditions are our, is our lack of tradition. <laughs> like, like we can, be, we, we can be one of those people who are like, we're so grace-centered, we're going to beat up people who aren't grace-centered like us. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. This idea of like, oh, you know, well, you kneel and you pray and you do all this stuff. And, 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 and you're like condemning that. Like, where's the grace in that? Where's the love in that? <laughs> you know, you're always about, oh, well, you know, you only have to hold on to Jesus. If you add anything else, you're, you're messing it up. Yeah, okay, but the way you go about saying that is like, I'm sure that we all have cousins or somebody in our life that's like, they're like, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with Jesus. Like, okay, tone it down. (laughs) Like, relax. I get what you're saying. I I get what you're saying. When I'm at work, when I'm at, or, you know, when I'm on the block, wherever I am, if somebody asks me, or if I ask them, like, can I pray for you? And they say, I'm not religious. Now, am I going to use that as an opportunity to beat them up? It ain't about religion, brother. <laughs> Let me instruct you. Let me instruct you. It's about a relationship. Like, no, you're like, just, just simply say, well, I am religious. And I care about you. And I'm going to pray for you. You, you. We don't have to be so touchy about this. When I, when I go out to the, you know, you know, on the first Saturday of the month, um, down here, um, I guess it's Water Street or whatever they got where you can dump, you, you can dump stuff. Um, you can pretty much bring anything and they'll take it, which is really nice. Saturday mornings, first Saturday, um, just so you know. And it, it's a lot of contractors and it's a lot of like, you know, I don't mean like a body, okay, but you know what I'm saying? I see Lisa like, I got some teenagers, you know, give me a hard time, I don't know, but like, <laughs> got you, inanimate objects of any kind, <laughs> okay, okay, that's, 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 that sounds good, that sounds good, so like, yeah, you, 
you can go there and you can dump pretty much everything there. And it's a lot of contracts, just a lot of people doing different stuff. And then, you know, like some of them know me. And so as soon as they see me, like, oh, you know, pastor's here. And so it's like, we've got to clean up, like, how we talk. <laughs> you know, the pastor's out here, you know, in the dump yard, <laughs> you know, where, where, they, where they weld stuff together and, you know, talk a certain way. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I could be, like, beating them up about that even, right? No, no, I'm not going to beat people up for trying to be better. Or somebody who starts to go to church, but they don't even know why they're going to church. Or somebody who sends me a text and says, I gave this money to whatever charity. And yeah, I could be thinking like, why are you telling me? (laughs) But I'm not going to be beating them up. Jesus was the one who wouldn't put out that candle, which was just about to go out. And that bruised reed, that, that, that little, little reed, you know, by the, by the creek or the river, that was just about to break. Jesus is able to pick it up, strengthen it. Jesus is able to do CPR on that little, little spark and make it become a flame. And he comes alongside you and me where we are in our weak faith and he strengthens us without condemning us. This is this type of faith that's just condemn whatever position it's coming from, whether it's, oh, you got to do X, Y, Z, you got to do penance, you got to kneel and stand, you got to light candles, or on the other side, the Protestant version of it, it's a relationship, man, and you know what I mean, I gotta, you got to know all 66 books of the Bible, and you, gotta, you know what I mean, whatever side you're coming from, I like to call this tendency, this dark tendency in religion to like a Darth Vader type faith you ever seen in star wars i was a lieutenant or a sergeant or somebody he's he's kind of talking about like right in front of darth vader like who cares about this crazy whack religion of all these old wizards and whatever and the thing he doesn't know is that darth vader in this movie in this story he controls the force <laughs> and what does darth vader do <sighs> and he gets his hand out, right? And he force chokes the dude. And he's choking the guy and he lifts him up and he's not even holding him. He's a few feet away from him, but he uses the force and he's like up three feet and he's being choked. And then he just drops him down. And what does he say? I find your lack of faith disturbing. (laughs) That is, we don't want to, We don't want to lean into the dark Vader of faith. We don't want to be in the spot where we are always looking at people discouraged, always saying, man, I find your lack of faith disturbing. That is not Jesus in us. That is the flesh. That is putting religion above God even and what he can do. That is putting religion above people. And we are called to love people around us. And here's the thing, and this is what I want to close on, that religion becomes a mask for us. Religion makes us, you know, it, it makes us feel like we're in some kind of lane going 60, 70 miles an hour. I'll give you an example. The other day I, I had somebody come to our Bible study, and they, they came after the fact, and they wanted to talk. And we started talking, and 
quickly the conversation turned to it's really important that as a new church and as a pastor and stuff you obey God's word I'm getting a little like funny about it because you just told me you haven't been to any church for eight years like I'm like okay you haven't been to church for eight years you've got a notebook full of notes (laughs) you've been reading the bible but you're telling me I better obey God's word so I ask further questions. Well, sister, what kinds of things do you think we aren't obeying? You know, and then she says, well, the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is on Saturday. And I, I gracefully take her through the scriptures and show her how the Sabbath was the day that the Lord rested after creation. And then in the story of Exodus, where we just preached through, it gets redefined as a beginning of a new month and a new day, celebrating the entry into the promised land. And then in the New Testament, you see that the Sabbath is completely changed uh, once again. And every reference of the saints gathering together and worshiping is specifically on the first day of the week. Go read Acts. <laughs> on the first day of the week, on the Lord's day. And uh, well, she said, well, well, God never, she didn't really I- interact with that. And then I said, ask follow-up question. What, what about Passover? Yes. Got to follow Passover. What about circumcision? Yes. <laughs> circumcision. So, so you got to be Jewish. <laughs> You've got to follow all the rules. And if you've been here like the last year, you've probably heard me say before, there's 616 laws in the Old Testament. Now, every single one of those was meant to point us to the ultimate law, which is love, which is loving God and loving our neighbor. And there was a specific way to do that in the Old Testament. But Christ came and that 616 law, those laws gave us like the, the black and white grainy view of who God was. And Jesus came in the flesh and showed us what love looks like and gave us the high death retinal view of God and freed us from following all of those laws, but now we follow Jesus himself. She wasn't happy with me. She walked away. She came. um, We had a celebration for all the kids that did the camp, and she came with her kids, and she saw that the property manager had gotten a magician who was doing stuff like you know, I've got a rabbit, and then I'm squirting the kids with a water bottle. Like, really cheesy stuff. <laughs> but the kids loved it. But she saw that, and she's like, not for my kids. And then I found out later that, you know, they don't have a TV. Don't let anybody talk to their kids. It's just, here's the thing. The temptation is is that you can be killing it religiously and think you're going like 60, 70 miles down 95 and yet your actual life is jacked up. Your relationships are messed up. You're in debt. 
You have all types of open wounds in your life. And I'm saying that we want to be a church that operates in the 10 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. You want to you wanna read the Bible and write all kinds of notes? I'm cool with that. But this is where we're at, working with people, moving from I used to go to sleep every night with a 12-pack to now I'm coming to church and I'm trying to follow Jesus. That's where we're working, from zero to 10 miles an hour from 10 miles to 20 okay <laughs> amen so guys this this is this Jesus gives us a picture of true religion that's an entirely different sermon but I just want to encourage you just wanted to describe to you it's not all about titles it's not all about being seen it's not all about being out there it's not all about looking good while you serve God. It's about humbling yourself and letting him exalt you. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this series. Lord, I pray, God, that as we looked at all these different aspects of life and then in the next couple of weeks look at actually how do we defeat these idols, how you are better, how you free us to live a life of love and happiness and meaning. I pray, God, that we would be broken free from these false gods that there wouldn't be a striving in us. There wouldn't be a, we got to listen to a thousand sermons a week and we got to do all these things. But Lord, we would, we would be free as your sons and daughters. We'd know you love us. We'd go out and we'd write that letter we're supposed to write to the person that we cut off 10 years ago. We would go out, we would have that conversation with the person we don't want to talk to. That that we would be steady in the things you're calling us to, steady in praying with our spouse or the people we live with, steady in just the things you've called us to, rather than killing it in some fantasy world with our phylacteries and our tassels and, and, our, and our candles and all of our religious stuff. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.